Let us go to God in prayer. Shepherd of souls, you call us to an abundant feast at the table of your word. Open our hearts to feed on your goodness, that by the power of the Holy Spirit, we might dwell ever more deeply in you. Amen. Our first reading comes from John's Revelation. It is the last book of the Bible. We are reading chapter 7, verses 9 through 17. You can find it on page 1076 of the Bibles in front of you. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. After this I looked, and there was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, robed in white with palm branches in their hands. They cried out in a loud voice, saying, Salvation belongs to our God, who is seated on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels stood around the throne, and around the elders and the four living creatures, they fell on their faces before the throne, and worshipped God, singing, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever, Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these robed in white? Where have they come from? I said to him, Sir, you are the one who knows. Then he said to me, These are they who have come out of the great ordeal. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. For this reason they are before the throne of God and worship him day and night within his temple. And the one who is seated on the throne will shelter them. They will hunger no more and thirst no more. The sun will not strike them nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb at the center of the throne will be their shepherd, and He will guide them to springs of the water of life, and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Our second reading, our Gospel reading, comes from the Gospel according to John. Chapter 10, verses 22 through 30. You can find it on page 934 of the Bibles in front of you. Listen for what the Spirit has to say to the church. At the time, the festival of the dedication took place in Jerusalem. It was winter, and Jesus was walking in the temple in the portico of Solomon. So the Jews gathered around him and said to him, How long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. Jesus answered, I have told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name testify to me, but you do not believe because you do not belong to my sheep. My sheep hear my voice. I know them, and they follow me. 
I give them eternal life, and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. What my Father has given me is greater than all else, and no one can snatch it out of the Father's hand. The Father and I are one. Word of the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing to you. O Lord, our God, our rock, and our salvation. May your spirit move upon us so that your truth, your word may come to us in truth and in power. In your name we pray. Amen. Raise your hand if you know the story of Abraham. Raise your hand if you know the story of Abraham. Okay, I see a lot of hands. That's what I was hoping to see. Raise your hand if you know the story of the sacrifice of Isaac. Okay. Who can tell me what happens when Abraham goes up to the mountain to sacrifice Isaac? What happens? Who can tell me? Pat. Uh huh. To the altar. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. That's the word I was looking for. Mm-hmm. And at the very last second, the Lord tells Abraham, Stop. You have done exactly what I told you. Not need to sacrifice your son. You sacrifice a little deer in the bushes and then a little ram. Mm-hmm. It's a ram caught in the bushes. Yes, yeah. So, so, so Abraham gets up to the mountain, and, and he's, he's prepared to sacrifice Isaac like God tells him. And, and God says, wait, stop. There's a ram over here. You've proven your faith. And then, and then God makes a promise to Abraham. After, after God stayed Abraham's hand at the top of the mountain, God promised to Abraham that his offspring would be as numerous as the stars of heaven and the sand of the seashore, and that by Abraham's offspring all nations shall be blessed. This is the central promise that sits at the heart of Israel throughout Scripture, that God has chosen the descendants of Abraham to bless all nations. Now, there are times when this promise looks dubious. The rule of Saul, the fall of Jerusalem, and the Jewish people's subsequent exile perhaps brought this promise into question, as would have Israel's conquest by Rome. However, the Gospel of John tells us in perhaps the most famous passage of the Bible that God loved the world so much that God sent God's only begotten Son to the world, not to condemn it, but so that the world might be saved through Him. 
Again, we see the hope that all the world shall be blessed through the offspring of Abraham. Bloom into life once more. Only to see that hope wink out as Jesus hung from the cross. But we see the fulfillment of God's promise to bless all nations in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. When Jesus flung the doors open to eternal life and reconciliation with our Creator. This picture becomes clearer with Pentecost. And we start to see the truly universal nature of God's blessing for every nation as the Gospel spread from Jerusalem and out into the Roman Empire and beyond. And in this morning's reading from John's Apocalypse War, widely known as the Revelation of John, we see the true endgame of God's promise to Abraham. John, in his vision, sees a great multitude in the kingdom of God from every nation, from all tribes and all languages, standing before the throne of the Lamb. That means that people from all nations, all tribes, speaking every language, have been redeemed by the grace of Jesus Christ. These elders, these worshipers who surround the throne from every nation and tribe are the martyrs of the early church. These are the ones who come from the great ordeal, that is, the great persecution of Christians during the reign of Nero. These are the ones who suffered for the sake of Christ in the first few decades of the church. These are the ones who have starved for Christ's sake. And I don't mean that as a swear. I mean, really, they starved for the sake of Christ. These are the ones who have thirst for Christ's sake, who have been scorched by the sun for Christ's sake, who have died for Christ's sake. These first martyrs are sheltered by the throne of the Lamb in John's vision, safe from the perils they face on this earth for confessing the name of Christ. The church in the first century did not have an easy time. They were driven out of the synagogues by the Jews, and they would later be persecuted by the Romans on a large scale. The followers of the way, the early Christians, defied the Roman cult of the emperor. They refused to bow to the emperor. And so they were slandered and framed for a great many things and were actively persecuted. Many died for the name of Christ. Now, who says that giving your life to Christ makes life easy? There are those who say that. Unfortunately, there are many who believe that if we but turn our lives over to Christ, all of our problems will be solved. Raise your hand if that's been your experience. I don't see any hands this time. There are too many who believe that if we turn our lives over to Christ, that if we have enough faith that our illnesses will be healed, our financial problems will go away, and that things will be easy. 
Raise your hand if that's been your experience. No hands. That certainly wasn't the case for the early church. Those who proclaimed the name of Christ lived in danger of economic and social persecution. Those who proclaimed the name of Christ lived in danger of being arrested, tortured, and executed. Giving your life to Christ does not mean life got easier for the early church. Why should it mean that for us? Many of us here have experienced profound loss, have experienced illness, chronic or otherwise, have experienced financial difficulty. In our lives, just as in the lives of the early church, turning your life over to Christ, having faith in Christ, does not mean that life automatically gets easy. To be sure, there are definite benefits in this life to having a relationship with our Creator. But rarely are those benefits so concrete as some preachers would have you believe. In fact, sometimes those hardships actually come from following Christ. But in John's vision, he sees the reward of the martyrs. They surround the throne of the Lamb, bathing in the Lamb's light and sheltered from the darkness they encountered in their lives. John is told that they shall hunger no more and neither shall they thirst. John is told that the sun will not strike them nor shall they be scorched by heat of any kind. John is told that the Lamb will be their shepherd and that they will be guided to the water of life. John is told that the Lamb shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. That is their reward, a reward made possible only through the glory of the resurrection. And that is one of the many meanings that this table holds for us. Yes, the Lord's Supper is a time for reflection, for joy, for thanksgiving, for repentance. Yes, through the power of the Holy Spirit, we are given unity with Christ and with the body of Christ across space and time. Yes, these things are true. And I'm sure the Lord's Supper holds meanings for you that are different from the ones that I just named on a personal level. But it's also a precursor to the heavenly feast. It points to the time when we shall hunger no more, neither shall we thirst. It points us to the time where the sun shall not strike us, nor shall we be scorched by heat. It points us to the time where we will be protected from all things by the throne of the Lamb. It points us to the promised time when the Lord will prepare for us that great wedding feast in the house of the Lord. Beloved, this is the feast that the Lord has prepared for us. 
It is a visible symbol of the grace that we have in the resurrection of Christ Jesus. This is simply a taste of the great feast our Creator has prepared for us in the kingdom of God. This table is a reminder of the promise we have in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And thanks be to God for that.